and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast, where we exist to connect the story of God with the story of man and see all of our lives in light of God and his story. My name's Raven, and I'm joined by Jared, one of the pastors here, and Daniel, one of the co-directors of our college ministry. And today we are discussing evangelism. That's right. We're pumped for today. Oh, yeah. Uh, Daniel, thanks for coming in and joining us. Yeah, of course. Uh, so here's kind of the setup for today. Uh, a handful of months back in, in 2020, we were kind of dreaming about 2021 and what we were going to do as a church and you know what vision God was calling us to. And one of the things that we were reflecting on is the fact that we know that our mission is to make and send disciples. And as we are kind of assessing our church, we have four core values as a church, Mm -hmm. the gospel formation, community and mission. And as we went down the list, um, we could see like clear strengths in a lot of areas with the gospel and just centering everything we do on the gospel. We saw strengths in the area of formation. And I think both Andrew and myself, Andrew's the other pastor, we both are really passionate about that. And so that comes out in our preaching and our leadership and all those things and community I feel like our city groups have taken off and have really become like a, there's just this true sense of family in our city groups. And we get that feedback a lot. Then we came to the core value of mission. And I think there is a sense in which we've seen God do some amazing things. Um, We've seen lots of people get baptized, but as we think about just the daily in and out of living life on mission, even specifically with evangelism, we thought, oh, there's a little bit of a gap mm-hmm. there, or we want to see God do something more specifically in the area of, of mission. And so we hit the you know whiteboard sessions, <laughs> we were dreaming up all sorts of things, and we said, hey, what if we took the year of 2021 and uh, started to, to strategize and intentionally pursue what it would look like uh, to build out a, a more in-depth uh, culture of mission in our church. And so lots of things uh, hit the whiteboard. And what we landed on is we slightly shifted our, our city group structure to be more missionally focused. And then we decided to have something that we were going to do as a whole church each month um, that was going to uh, just help our church move the ball down the field with the idea of mission. And some of those are events. Um, you know, some of those are retreats that we're doing that are uh, that we want to invite people into, all sorts of stuff. And the first one we wanted to do, we wanted to be focused on evangelism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we asked Daniel, Daniel, would you get excited about teaching and really just owning this course? And Daniel, how many people did we end up having at the end of the day? Do you remember? I don't know the exact number. I think it was over 60. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the room was packed. It was awesome just to see so many people excited about learning how to share their faith. And this is why we thought it would be helpful to have a podcast over it for those who weren't able to show up and be in the room and also for those who were able to but want a refresher. So again, the training was three hours and trying to boil all of that into this podcast won't be possible, but we can hit some main points and talk about that. Daniel, what are some stories from the past year of you sharing the gospel with others? Yeah, I think of uh, specifically a few different people. And I'm actually going to start with a story that didn't actually lead anywhere. Um, There was a guy named Connor who I um, shared the gospel with and began meeting up with and continued to meet up with and shared the gospel with him. And he knew the truth. Uh, And one day uh, he he had more questions and I answered them. And then 
I told him, I said, hey, Connor, like the, the reason you're not a Christian isn't because you don't logically believe the things I've told you to be true, uh, but it's because you're not willing to surrender your life to Christ. You're not mm-hmm. willing to mm-hmm. give up control of your life. And he looked at me and he said, you're right. And I continued to pursue him, continued to try to meet up with him. Um, but he's since like just stopped replying. And mm-hmm. so um, that was like a little discouraging, but I just had to have confidence in the fact that like God was sovereign and in control yeah. um, and just praise him for allowing me to at least plant seeds and water seeds in his life for a season in time. And I just pray that God would eventually bring those to fruition. Uh, and then another story I would share on the other side of it was with a, sto- uh, a guy named Aiden, who uh, if you're at Providence, you probably uh, have seen him. You've seen mm-hmm. him get baptized. You've probably heard his story a little bit. But uh, he was a, a freshman who we met on campus. And uh, I uh, invited him to get ice cream. So I got him in my car and drove him <laughs> out to Elkhorn to get ice cream so you I could get him. more time with him. That's right. Nice. <laughs> um, and I just spent time getting to know him, connecting with him. He ran cross country. I ran cross country in high school. So I just found that connection point mm-hmm. and then began to ask him just about his spiritual upbringing. And uh, I looked at him and I asked him a, a very simple question. I said, Aiden, have you ever truly, if you're honest with yourself, surrendered your life and bowed your knee to Jesus? And he looked at me and he said, no. Mm-hmm. And I um, quite simply said, then you're not a Christian. And mm-hmm. and he, he looked at me and said, no one's ever been that straightforward with me. No one's ever been that direct with me. And mm-hmm. he began to wrestle. And uh, over the course of the next few weeks, I just had challenged him to count the cost of surrendering to Christ. And over the ne- course of the next couple of weeks, I kept asking him what was keeping him sur- from surrendering. And he had different answers. And and on our fall retreat, he had more questions and we went for a walk on Saturday night and uh, he had some really good questions and I um, tried to answer them to the best of my ability. And then I asked him again, quite simply, what's keeping you from surrendering? And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, on the side of the road there uh, during fall retreat, I said, okay, then do it. And it's just been a joy to see him um, just begin to take steps to follow Jesus and to honor Jesus and to grow and delighting in the word. And then even since then, he has said, um, he's like, Daniel, I don't feel like I know how to share my faith, but it's too good of news not to share. Mm -hmm. So he just really delights in the good news of the gospel. That's so cool. I think uh, if you don't know Daniel, one thing that's probably clear by the stories that he just shared is that um, Daniel, you're you're just gifted in the area of evangelism, Mm -hmm. which is why we're having him on the podcast <laughs> for our um, for this topic of evangelism, and uh, you have stories. You just told a couple of stories, but you have more stories, and yeah. the, the the gospel is just on your lips at all times, and you engage so many people with it so well. And um, one of the cool things that it's uh, been awesome about this year is you and your co-director Jake have stepped in to like lead this college ministry. And even in your your city groups that you lead with young adults, um, there's been evangelistic fruit this year. There's been people saved. We baptized some people, and it's you're passing it on to other people, college students, um, other mm-hmm. leaders in uh, in these city groups, and it's um, it's been amazing to see. And so, part of the thing that we love is that you guys are helping lead the way for the rest of our church. So. Yeah. We're looking to our younger people who are kind of blazing a trail. And I think you um, and uh, your co-director, Jake, are two of the people out front leading the charge. And so mm-hmm. that's why we you know, knocked on your door. Hey, can you help us lead in the way of this evangelism training? Yeah, you've done an amazing job. And you've challenged me personally just with questions like, hey, 
Have you asked your roommate to come to the college ministry? Have you actually pushed? And with me kind of saying, oh, well, I don't want to push. I'm kind of scared. And then saying, no, like this is the good news of the gospel that saves. And so what are some ways that you normally frame your conversations for people that are listening? How do you jump in? Do you just jump in guns a blazing saying, hey, like you did with Aiden? Or are there other ways that you kind of set up the conversation? Yeah. So really it's a spirit led thing. It is different from person to person. But as I began to think through, okay, how do I practically boil this down? Because I had never had to actually think about how I structure conversations per se. Mm -hmm. Um, As I was wrestling with that, a kind of what came to my mind is um, you kind of begin with small talk, right? Like everyone begins kind of talking about the weather or COVID or the Huskers and how awful they've been or mm. literally anything. And um, people start there. And then from there, trying to ask questions to turn it into a meaningful conversation to uh, just press a little deeper into someone's life to allow them to open up about things that have maybe happened to them, ways they experience emotion in regard to different events that have happened in their life. And then from there, um, you've already like broken some emotional barriers and you've already gone deeper than most people are probably used to. And from there, kind of shifting to, okay, how do you ask a question now about something spiritual? And you might sh- turn the corner and you might uh, ask them, where do they go for hope in that time? Or um, do they have a religious upbringing? Because those questions aren't actually that unheard of to ask and people most of the time don't um, turn and run away if you're mm-hmm. asking a lot of questions. If you're truly seeking to understand that person, typically the person's going to share with you because they love to talk about themselves because we all do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then from there, shifting it um, into a gospel conversation, trying to ask them questions about if I ask them, hey, do you go to church somewhere? And they say, yeah, I grew up going to so-and-so church. I just ask them, okay, well, what does that mean to you? Like, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they ask, well, what does that mean? I say quite simply, um, where do you go when you die and why? Like, where will you go specifically? Um, and what will you say before when you stand before God? And those questions, a lot of people are like, oh man, I've never been asked that. And they begin to just process for themselves. And so um, to boil it down simply, to sum it up, like small talk, uh, shifting through, okay, how do I turn this into a meaningful conversation? And then asking yourself, okay, are there questions I can ask to turn this into a spiritual conversation? And then there are there questions I can ask to turn this into a gospel conversation? Um, and sometimes you might skip some of those steps. Sometimes it might be a, a situation where you can just ask someone, hey, did you grow up going to church or anything? Because maybe you're meeting someone for the first time and uh, you want to invite them to church. And so it's not mm-hmm. weird if you ask them about church. And if you tell them, hey, I actually go to church in town. Did you grow up going to church anywhere? Do you go to church now? And from there, using an invitation to actually um, challenge people and to ask people what they believe um, can get into a gospel conversation. That's so good. I So a lot of people, when you think about evangelism, um, fear is one of the things that comes to their yeah. mind for a number of different reasons. I'm like fearful of this, overwhelmed by this, fearful of this. So I'm just curious, you have lots of spiritual conversations, lots of opportunities for gospel proclamation. Can you just uh, maybe settle some people's minds? How often when you're in these conversations, do they actually turn like bad or hostile or awkward? Does that happen often? Good question. That's a very good question. And no, most of the time I would say it doesn't turn hostile. Um, That in fact probably is rarely the case for Mm. me. 
Um, and if you don't know me, I'm a pretty bold, straightforward person. So, um, for those of you who maybe have fears out there, like, um, I would just kind of settle those cause I, I'm a very direct person and I know that with my personality, there can be a rub sometimes, but, uh, I think what I've found beautiful about asking questions and, um, getting into gospel conversations through that is it actually lowers people's walls because mm. people begin to, think about things and share things that they maybe aren't used to sharing. And there's been multiple situations where I've asked people questions and just really taken interest in their life. And I might hardly know them and they're sharing things with me that they haven't shared with anyone before. Mm -hmm. And with that, as you begin to get into that vulnerable space, as Christians, we need to care for that well. And then we get to point them to the true hope that we have in Christ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. So I think you're touching on this a little bit, but I also know uh, some people uh, just don't want to impose anything on some someone else. Yeah. Uh, what do you say to people who, you know, they may be, you know, you're teaching someone how to share the gospel, like, oh, I don't want to like, I, wanna, I don't want that person to feel like I'm like, like they're a project or I'm like, I don't want to just direct this conversation however I want to, how would you answer that? Or how would you like maybe refute a a faulty line of thinking in that? Yeah. Well, first I would say uh, as Christians, our confidence and our hope has to be in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, We have to realize that there is eternity at stake and that um, hell is a reality for billions of people on the earth. And, then even above that, that God deserves worship. Mm. Like he rightly deserves our worship. And if those are our motivations, a love for God and a love for people, uh, we have to realize that um, at times we need to get over ourselves and not be so prideful to think that um, how someone views us is the most important thing, but maybe actually how people view God is Mm. the most important thing. And, Um, I think as you ask questions and as you, um, you can share the gospel with them and you can continue to build a relationship with them and you can continue to show them that you care. I think of the story with Connor. I shared the gospel with him the first time I met with him and then continued to meet up with him. And he was sharing things about his life and, and I would text him and he wouldn't respond. I would text him again. And, and one day he, he replied and he said, Daniel, I appreciate that you continue to text me even when I don't respond because I know that you care about me. Mm. And so I, I've found that as Christians, when we share the gospel and continue to build a relationship, they see, wow, like this person genuinely cares about me in a way that maybe I haven't been cared for before. Mm. That's so cool because it's not, yeah, how it comes across is like intentional and loving because it's the most loving thing that you can do to, yeah. to share them. That's Amen. That's really cool. And it's cool that you have actually like anecdotal evidence of people like Mm -hmm. giving you that feedback. So cool. Yeah, I think that's really good because especially for me, it's really easy to become fearful, mainly because I can step into those conversations with people. For instance, when I had a car accident last year, the woman that I was talking to had just moved to Omaha. And so talking about our church and getting her involved in community was a pretty easy conversation. But continuing to text her over and over starts to feel weird, especially when people ghost you. When no one responds, I don't know why, it's almost better to just get a no. I would much rather have someone just say, no, leave me alone. But that's a really good, encouraging word because a lot of people are hurting and they are in need of realizing that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. But 
just with everything with life, it's so easy to be like, no, no, no. And then one day, you never know, that person could say, you know what? Okay, yeah, I'll come to this event or I'll actually sit down and listen to what you have to say. And we just have to remember that it's not about us, but it's truly for God's glory. Yeah. And so with all of that, when you go through the conversation, you had kind of mentioned bad news and good news at the training. Could you kind of give us a little synopsis of that really quick? Yeah. So I'm going to start with the illustration that I used. Um, And what I said is if you're in the ocean and you see someone run out and dive into the water and they, they die. And then someone standing next to you says, that person just died for you. You're like, okay, that's kind of (laughs) weird. Okay, cool, I guess. Right. But if that person first shared with you that there was a shark behind you that was about to to attack you and that that person truly did save your life by like taking your place and by like fighting off the shark. And then you realize that that person died for you and they like saved you. It it means a whole lot more. And that is, uh, it does not do justice to the gospel, but I, I framed the bad news and the good news because in order for us to, um, help people to realize the good news of the gospel and to realize the good news of Jesus Christ, we, we have to first point them to their state before God. Because uh, the reality is God gave us commandments that we have to follow perfectly in order to get to him. And the reality is none of us have done that. And so pointing people to the bad news of the reality of our state before God is important because many people think they're going to go to heaven, especially in our cultural context. They think they're going to go to heaven because they're a good person. Mm. And verses like uh, Romans 3.10 say that no one is good. Uh, it says no one seeks God, right? And, and we see that the wages of sin is death and that um, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and time and time again, we, we see scripture in Ephesians 2 where it talks about the fact that we are following the prince of the power of the air and we were um, just, just children of wrath. Like we deserved wrath from God. And when people truly realize that they're guilty and that they there is a bad news awaiting them, uh, that's when the good news of the gospel is so much better. Uh, so I actually try to spend more time in my gospel presentation, framing that up, asking them questions about what they would say to God and why. They would say, oh, I'm a good person. I say, what if I told you the Bible says you're not good? And then I begin to walk through some of these things to paint the picture for them of their true state before God. And then I say, hey, this is me too. This is me too, apart from the good news of the gospel. And then I get the transition in Ephesians 2 verse 4, uh, it says, but God being rich in mercy. Yeah. So we, we see the two most profound words in the Bible following three verses that give a, uh, a very dark picture of our reality apart from Christ. And so I, I like to frame that because when people realize their true shape of um, eternal damnation, they can, they can rejoice and maybe experience truly the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's good. Do you, uh, do you find that people usually receive the, the bad news pretty well. Is it challenging or do you need to frame it in a specific way that makes it kind of palatable or are people usually pretty receptive to that? Yeah. So it's different for each person, uh, depending on how they grew up. But in this culture, uh, I think most people think they're good and they have, if they have somewhat of a reverence of the Bible, maybe they know nothing about it, but they know that yeah, this is like a good authoritative book that my pastor preached from on Easter when I go to church, then they have some sort of reverence to it. Mm -hmm. And you begin to point out things that are in scripture to 
um, that is there and like, oh, wow, well, this book is authoritative and, and you're showing me verses that actually say that I'm guilty before God and that mm. I actually deserve to go to hell and that I um, am not a good person in the eyes of God. It, it begins to really challenge them. And some people don't like that and that that's okay. And we have to be okay with challenging people and letting them be a little uncomfortable. But I think for the most part, when you truly do show people, uh, I'm more often met with an indifference or, well, that that's fine. But uh, I've, ne- I've not recently anyways had a response where someone got mad at me or belligerent with me and just like told me to go away um, because typically at that point I've built enough of a relationship with them. They know that I care about them. They know this is from a place of love and they might be uncomfortable and maybe after that conversation, they're not going to talk to me again for a little while, but it does do something to to point them, wow, maybe I'm not a Christian and maybe I do need to get right with God. Mm. That's cool. I love it's it's inspiring and helpful and encouraging to hear your examples because you're t- 10 times the evangelist I am. And so when I'm thinking about these conversations, I'm like, okay, Daniel's paved this way. I can, mm-hmm. Like if he could do this, he's given, you know, it's just, it's helpful for me to know like, hey, I don't need to be as fearful as I think I need to be going into these conversations. So that's, that's really cool. Uh, so I do have one other thought. If people are like listening to this and, and they're like, okay, I heard you mention a couple Bible verses are there a couple that you'd steer people to that like if they just want to write down a couple things, maybe a bad news or a couple bad news versus a couple good news versus what are the first ones that you would steer people to? Yeah. If I'm thinking of bad news versus um, the, the, my go-to verses would be um, Romans three, 10 through 12, um, which is a, no, a good refute to when people say they're a good person. Um, and then also in Romans, Romans three twenty three and Romans six twenty three a the first part of the verse, uh, and then I think of um, in Exodus where it talks about the law and the Ten Commandments. I, I like to take people there and show them that they've actually broken God's commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ephesians two one through three. So those are like my staple probably go to verses when I'm doing this. Uh, depending on the conversation, depending on the direction of it, I might go. Uh, to them in different order or might not go to some of them and might use completely different verse, but those are probably my staple um, verses. And then from there um, for the good news portion, you're already in Ephesians two. If you went to um, Ephesians two, one through three, four through 10, I think is um, beautiful. And then um, Romans six twenty three B uh, highlighting um, the fact that the gift of God, right? What, what the wage of sin is death, the, um, but truly in Christ, like what, it, what we have. Um, and then um, going back to Ephesians 2, specifically 8 and 9, talking about grace, we are saved through faith. Um, so those are probably like the, of the few that I go to. There's plenty more you can go to. There's plenty more all throughout scripture of what we can use, but those are typically my go-to. And I actually typically have more verses for the bad news and the good news because people need to be convinced almost more of that than they do of um, the good news because they've heard of Christmas and Easter and they have maybe a framework for it, but they don't know truly why all that happened. Okay, Daniel. So for people listening who are maybe a little gun shy to do evangelism, do you have like one or two takeaways, maybe just next steps that people could do? Um, if you were talking to them one-on-one, they want to take a next step or next two steps in evangelism, what would you tell them to do? I would say first, um, 
find a non-Christian that you maybe have relationships with and begin asking them questions that lead to deeper, more meaningful conversation and see where that leads you um, and see what they share about their life. And um, with that, I think having one passage specifically that you go to for the bad news would be really good if you have that memorized and you know what it says and then having one verse that you go to for good news. If you're trying to just do that, I would say just Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is a really easy one because it lays it out for you. But I would say have those in your back pocket. Um, So learn to ask questions, begin asking someone questions about their life that are more meaningful and deep, and then uh, have a passage of scripture that you can go to, to explain the hope that you have in Christ and the reason we need the hope of Christ. Mm, That's good. Thanks, man. Yeah. And I think too, just being able to step back and pray for those opportunities, because I know at least for you, I'm guessing you're probably praying and asking the Lord, Lord, give me opportunities to speak with people. For sure. I mean, I don't often, I don't pray enough for these at times. Um, I myself sometimes get lazy in sharing the gospel. And um, when I do pray though, I find God answering that prayer. And so I would encourage you, yeah, pray, because I think um, God delights in answering that prayer for his people. Um, But then when he gives you the opportunity to share with someone, have the the faith and the the boldness to, uh, in obedience, step forward in doing what God has provided you the opportunity to do. Thank you, Daniel, for joining us today. And thank you all for listening. Again, the goal of this podcast is to connect the story of God with the story of man and see all of our lives in light of God and his story. If you have any questions or comments or thoughts, please email us at formation at providenceomaha.org. And if you want to find out more about us, head to providenceomaha.org online. We will see you next week.